Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kudos to Exelon and ComEd for releasing these reports. I look forward to reading the third one next year. I presume that will be the final one. I think they're under a three-year consent decree. Unfortunate that it came to this point, but as I said... Probably the biggest single value here for anybody is just reading it to say, huh, okay, that's how another really large company with complex risk management, audit, internal control, compliance needs. That's how they map this out and structure it. This episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds, Tom Fox and Matt Kelly take a deep dive into Commonwealth Edison's 2023 compliance report. We take a look at specific sections on supply chain risk management, as well as exit interviews. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. First, quick message from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox and Matt Kelly back for another episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, we had a couple of very interesting announcements about ComEd or Commonwealth Edison, the Illinois utility that got into trouble last week. You wrote about in your blog post that I wanted to maybe explore. First, I just have to acknowledge that the state of Illinois finally convicted someone for corruption. Yes. Shout out to the prosecutors who convicted four uh, ComEd former executives for bribing the Speaker of the House, former Speaker of the House of Illinois. My friends from Illinois, they could not believe that they got convictions and they were so pleased. But shout out to the prosecutors. But you focused your, you touched on it in your blog post, but you really looked at something different. So what was the something different you saw and how does it apply to our field in compliance. Well, so here is the backstory. Commonwealth Edison, ComEd, not to be confused with ConEd in New York. ComEd had this really egregious corruption scandal that unfolded. It kind of burst onto the scene in 2020, where a company was giving lucrative lobbying contracts and no-show jobs to associates of State House Speaker Michael Madigan, And in exchange, Speaker Madigan would then issue or shepherd through legislation that was favorable to ComEd. And this happened in the 2010s. It all bloomed into a big mess in 2020. ComEd wound up pleading, I think, guilty, I believe. They had paid a $200 million fine. And also, as you said, there were several corruption executives who faced corruption charges. They were convicted the other week. Michael Madigan, this House Speaker, he has been forced to resign. He is facing his own corruption trial that I believe will be happening most likely in sometime 2024. But the other thing that ComEd had to agree to do was, as usual, a raft of compliance program reforms, but also submit these public, I'll call them progress reports, on all of those improvements 
uh, that they had to file with the state of Illinois' Commerce Commission. So they have to file one every year for their three-year agreement, if they believe that comment is under. Last year was the first one that they had published. And Tom, I think you and I might even have spoken about that one, that we, they talked about risk assessments that they were doing and the structure of the uh, ethics and compliance function. This year, they've just published another second report that looks a bit more at some other issues we'll get at. But more than anything else, if you, the listener, are at a large corporation with some very complex internal control, compliance, financial reporting, internal audit challenges, these reports are worth reading because ComEd is a subsidiary of a yet larger company, Exelon Corporation. ComEd and Exelon have this enormous compliance infrastructure, I'll call it. And a large part of these reports is just explaining what we're doing, who reports to whom, you know, what about the compliance function within ComEd? How does that relate to the compliance function at Exelon, the power corporate, the public, the parent corporation? How does the compliance function relate to internal audit and risk management? Who is ultimately in charge of these risk assurance functions? You get to see that. You get to see issues like how do they think about risk, risk assessments that was in last year's report and how do they redesign that? How do they think about third-party risk? Who's in charge of it? What about cybersecurity risks? And if you're a utility, that's a very high priority. So just on professional curiosity alone, I would encourage all internal audit and corporate compliance executives to read these reports, and then we can talk about some of the nitty-gritty progress that ComEd is making. But even just as a general edification, excellent document to read and digest. So... I will link to our prior podcast on the first annual ComEd report in the show notes, but I would add one other reason to read this, Matt. Uh, if, if, if your company is involved in an enforcement action or if your organization has a catastrophic failure around compliance and ethics, and I'm going to call ComEd's failure catastrophic because of the size of the fine penalty and the people very top who were involved, these reports provide not just simply a roadmap of how to change culture, but really a way to think through what may seem like insurmountable problem. Mm -hmm. 2007, my company had one of those problems, and I was part of the new management team that was brought in to put a new compliance program in place because back then you remediated after you had resolved the case, not during your enforcement action. And we literally had to re, not rebuild, but build compliance brick by brick from the ground up. And that was something many people struggled with. How do we completely change not just our culture, but the way we do business from an internal controls perspective? So in reading through your blog post and starting to read through the report, I got the sense that uh, this these comment documents can really help a company think through what may seem like too big or too insurmountable a project. I recognize other organizations have done this. Volkswagen, ABB come to mind. But uh, here we have a document that lays out how one organization's done it. So I think it's, if you find yourself in this situation, there's rare public documents you can go to, and it's certainly one here. But let's turn to some of the items you highlighted in your blog post, because 
they really provided insight in areas we may not get as much insight into. And the first was supply chain. What did you see so intriguing about the ComEd slash Exelon report on supply chain? Yeah, so this was one of the new items in the second year report uh, that ComEd spent a fair bit of time talking about how within the last 12 or 15 months or so, it has revamped its approach to supply chain oversight. So they've done a couple of specific things. First, they adopted a supplier code of conduct. That's new. Prior to the supplier code, all of Exelon and ComEd's suppliers had to attest that they would abide by Exelon's general code of conduct, that its employees and other stakeholders might also have to follow. So now they have this new supply chain code. Uh, All suppliers receive the new code of conduct at the time of onboarding, and then they receive a refresher every two years after that. I am not clear on if they have to recertify their obedience to the supplier code every two years. Although the Exelon did also refine its procurement function and the contract language it uses with suppliers to include this, that you must abide by the supplier code of conduct. But they had that. The other interesting thing that they did was they established a dedicated supply chain compliance team within the supply chain function. So this team's responsibilities, what do they do? They're looking at compliance with reliability standards for North American power utilities. That is known as NERC, N-E-R-C. And NERC is a paramount concern for power utilities. We're talking about reliability here. So obviously, you need to have really sharp business continuity processes and controls and assessments for your suppliers to make sure that their failures don't gum up your reliability of keeping the lights on. They also, this supply chain compliance team also does cybersecurity risk assessments for their suppliers and suppliers compliance with policies regarding interactions with public officials. Remember, that is what got ComEd into trouble in the first place, were these agents acting on behalf of ComEd who were giving gifts and no-show jobs to state Pauls in Illinois. So the company did a big look at interactions with public officials, both for ComEd and Exelon, and also for all their suppliers. And then finally, the company did a review of its policies and procedures for trade sanctions compliance. I have to admit that I don't know exactly how much trade sanctions risk ComEd and Exelon would have, because they are primarily domestic, as I understand it. But nonetheless, for a company as huge as Exelon, I'm sure they've got at least some. But You know, I applaud Exelon for establishing this comprehensive supply chain risk management effort and making supply chain compliance a big part of its supply chain risk program. That's good. It's not going to be easy to do when you think about all of the risks that a supplier might bring, cybersecurity, business continuity, bribery and other compliance risks, trade sanctions risk, and I don't know what else. But... I suppose my questions would be, how would a company, ComEd, Exelon, anybody else, how would a company that does this, 
getting a comprehensive assessment of suppliers. How do you boil all those different risks into a single risk score to be able to say these are our highest risk suppliers and here's why, here's our lowest risk suppliers and there's why, uh, and how do you coordinate that with the procurement function so they don't go and source something from a supplier that you might then decide or discover is high risk and they have to go. That would gum up your procurement operation. And I've thought about this a lot because you really need these days to have a seamless interaction between compliance and procurement so that procurement doesn't pick up a supplier who's going to gum up your compliance risk or you compliance don't chop off a supplier and that gums up the procurement and business continuity processes. We've seen it before. We see it a lot with Russia sanctions these days. And we also see it here in Exelon and ComEd, very different context but still the same fundamental tension that needs to get resolved. So I mentioned uh, my exploration compliance back in 07. And the thing that ties this even more to ComEd was our FCPA violation came in through the supply chain, not through a third-party agent. And so our monitor, we had a monitor, was extraordinarily focused on the supply chain part of our business. And back then, no one looked at supply chain. And we were doing things no one done in compliance. They may have done that in procurement. So always gratified when I can see that in modern compliance. But I guess one interesting thing here, Matt, I see is that it is compliance, which is driving overall supply chain risk management and business efficiency, which is inevitably lead, will inevitably lead to greater profitability if done correctly. And that with a variety of other areas in companies, uh, when compliance has to look at things from a risk perspective, it leads to a company finally putting these pieces together. Supply chain or procurement is typically in a silo, but guess what? They're the biggest spend of a corporation. And there's always a possibility of fraud. I know we're going to talk about, hopefully talk about fraud in a later podcast, but having supply chain risk managed really opens the door to a lot of opportunity for innovation, business process of efficiency improvement, hopefully risk improvement, but also a way to go across silos that compliance has been instructed to do by the Department of Justice since at least the 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs. So uh, reading this report for the supply chain component, I think, is something that every compliance professional should do because supply chain risk management is coming to compliance and you need to be prepared for that for your organization. But there's one other part to this report that you also found equally interesting, as did I. So what was the second part, Matt? So the second one was very different, but also very relevant to a wide range of companies, that ComEd talked a lot about how it was integrating compliance concerns into numerous HR processes, which I think is a great idea and very applicable to all sorts of companies. Here's what they did. For example... Exelon's compliance function was working with HR to add several, I think the total was five, several compliance-related questions to the company's annual employee engagement survey. They did say that the company had already asked a handful of compliance-related questions in its annual survey. Now they, I ask, I think it's something like eight or ten. The survey went out. The compliance team then shared the results with business leaders and HR teams across all of Exelon and ComEd. They shared insights from what the data was, 
How many people? I don't. I don't know what the questions were. But for example, do you feel ethics is a high priority or not? How many said this? How many said that? But they also looked at information about supervisory groups across the enterprise that scored relatively low on ethics topics, and therefore they might need a visit from the compliance and HR teams to tell these supervisors, I presume they're middle managers, I'm not certain of that, but tell these supervisors, your team in particular is scoring rather low on these compliance questions we're asking, so let's get to the bottom of that. Uh, that's one thing that Exelon did. Uh, another thing was that it modified its performance standards to, and I quote, to more explicitly link annual performance appraisals, which are a factor in employee compensation, to compliance and ethics considerations. So they're putting ethics and compliance criteria in their evaluation of employees and of managers, and then that leads to affecting your compensation. Uh, they didn't include a practical example of what they mean. I wish they did, but this is clearly, you know, a good idea. You put ethics and compliance as performance review criteria, and then you can use that to guide incentive-based pay or something like that. Uh, I don't know if Exelon has actually executed on all this yet, or have they simply drawn this up and put all are putting it into practice now, or how much have they already put this into practice? Have they already been telling supervisors, you scored low in our feedback survey, do better now, or you're going to get less incentive pay next year? I'm not sure where they are on that maturity curve. And then lastly, they did three things. This is the third, that they adjusted their exit interview processes to capture any concerns about compliance and ethics issues that employees might only raise when they're already leaving. And then they develop some sort of escalation procedure that if a departing employee mentions an ethics and compliance concern and departs, that gets special treatment from Exelon and ComEd where they look more deeply into it. And again, I think that makes sense because a lot of people, once they are leaving, they feel like they can go out guns blazing. That happened to me early in my career. I worked at a company I did not like. I didn't think it was ethical. It was back in the 90s before we had a lot of this. But when I sat down with HR and they said, why are you leaving? I decided, I'll tell you why I'm leaving. I don't know if that ever made a difference to HR, but that sort of dynamic is what Exelon is now trying to capture and handle the right way compared to what it may have happened in the prior years. So let me pick up on each one of those because I found a lot in those areas and a lot in your blog post, Matt. The first one is on supervisors. And here's why I think that's so important. I started in my career working for yellers, screamers, and ragers. And so I thought, that's what you did. And it took me a long time to evolve in my thinking of being a supervisor or a leader. Although to this day, my first reaction, even when watching Succession last night, is why doesn't somebody blow up and throw something? not have a discussion. So my point is that supervisors who act in a certain way, whether it's a yeller, screamer, and rager, or they go up to the line and kick dirt over the line or cross that line of ethics, doing business ethically and in compliance, it's not simply themselves and the company they're putting at risk. They are training those who work under them to engage in that sort of behavior. And some companies have looked at people direct reports for such supervisors and found when they moved up 
the chat, the chain, they engage in such behavior. And so I think it's important that compliance start thinking about those groups that ComEd identified in the report, those supervisory groups, and not simply the impact of their direct uh, sort of flexible approach to compliance and ethics, but what that trains others under them to do and maybe even intervene if those employees are, are promoted or at least watch them a little more closely. So I thought that was a very prescient point for lots of reasons. The performance review, I'm sure Kenneth Polite and probably Glenn Leon and a lot of others are, are applauding comment for that, but it's something that every compliance professional now has to have as a part of their compliance program based upon the 2023 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, or dare I say ECCP. Yeah. Exit interviews. For better or worse, the energy industry has lots of exit interviews because we lay off lots of people. And in addition to saying, be nice to the people who work for you because you'll work for them one day, exit interviews have been seen for a long time in the energy industry. And I have to credit uh, the former head of um, Baker Hughes compliance function for really being the first to talk to me about incorporating exactly what ComEd is doing and what you talked about into an exit interview. And he said, obviously, it can be a stressful time. It can be a painful time. People can be very emotional. Nevertheless, uh, even when being laid off, you have the opportunity to uh, ask that question. Now, I got the sense in reading your blog post, these were people who voluntarily were leaving the company and they may be a little more open. But even when someone's being laid off, asking those questions in an exit interview can be very, very, well, the part I saw, which I had not previously seen discussed was those concerns were elevated and those concerns were looked at a little more uh, expeditiously than and perhaps other concerns that may have been raised or other information that gets to compliance. But I absolutely applaud utilizing the exit interview. It is a time when, if we can use your example, uh, people may open up in ways they haven't before and it can be a very powerful way to garner information you haven't received before, even if it turns out the information uh, was perhaps not as useful as the reporter thought. So use that exit interview, if you, if it, even if it's with a person who's being separated involuntarily, if done respectfully, can be a useful tool. And let me play lawyer for a little bit, because once you've got it in writing, then you have what they've said. And if they later say, oh, yeah, and by the way, we're like, well, we asked you this question. Why didn't you tell us this before? And we did it very respectfully. So not that I would ever suggest a company uh, gen up a defense, but as a lawyer, I have to say that. So the exit interview can be a powerful tool. And kudos to ComEd for pointing that out, but also kudos for actioning the information they got in a way to investigate it a little more quickly than they might otherwise have. Any final thoughts on this report and and the power it has for our community, Matt? Well, just, I mean, kudos to Exelon and ComEd for releasing these reports. I look forward to reading the third one next year. I presume that will be the final one. I think they're under a three-year consent decree. Unfortunate that it came to this point, but as I said, probably the biggest single value here for anybody is just reading it to say, huh, okay, that's how another really large company with complex risk management, audit, internal control, compliance needs, that's how they map this out and structure it. What could I beg, borrow, and steal? 
Aside from the specific improvements they're making, just looking at all of the ways that they have designed their program now, I would read the prior report, I'd read this year's report, and rest assured, folks, a year from now, I'll still be back to write about the third report, too. Great, great document, well worth your time. Well, I will just say I hope we can both be back to podcast about it as well. I look forward to seeing what next week brings, Matt. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories for the best co-host and for best business podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.